be worthy to go to communion, the church says that if you're in the state of serious sin, then you have to make a confession of that sin beforehand, before you come to the altar, you know. And I think we have to have an adequate understanding. A mortal sin is a pretty bad thing, you know. It's not something that you slip into, you know, or something that's just so common that everybody does it. If your life is basically oriented against God, then it's easy to commit a mortal sin. Humility is the virtue by which a Christian acknowledges that God is the author of all good. Humility avoids inordinate ambition or pride and provides the foundation for turning to God in prayer. Everybody's going to see themselves the way God sees us. And for some, it's going to be a wonderful thing. You know, it's going to be a confirmation of their faith. For others, it's going to be a problem. We do the same thing in our own life. When something happens that we don't understand, we say, why does God allow this? We, we question God all the time. Maybe not as dramatically as that way, but we, we question God all the time. And that's a lack of, a lack of humility. You think you're humble? Wait until God instructs you to serve someone who has hurt you. Bless someone who has betrayed you and minister to the very people who have salted your name. Are you humble enough? Here's your host. Good evening and welcome. I'm Tony Miller with KCDM and I'll be your host for the show this evening. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Pastor's Perspective. We are in the fifth week of Ordinary Time, and we will be previewing the Gospel of Matthew for the sixth Sunday of Ordinary Time. Around the table tonight, we have Father James. Good evening, everyone. And Father Mike. Hello, people. And Father Marty. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Was that a dog's bark, or? Should we tell the story kind of behind that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, people may miss So today, we were at Notre Dame, blessing the throats, and I was telling the story of how um, Blaze got his, uh, um, his, what would you call it, reputation. And uh, at one point, one of the legends is that a woman's pig got um, stolen by a wolf. Wolf. But apparently I don't put the L in it like I do my hometown of Kilcuck. Um, so I said woof instead of wolf. So I looked at Phillips and said, how did a dog's bark steal a pig? <laughs> and Phillips looks at me and goes, he said wolf, and I said, no, there was no L in that at all. <laughs> Just like there's no L in Kilcock. Kilcock. Okay. And Phillips told me I needed to pay attention. <laughs> I thought the best part of today, though, was the uh, um, when we told the kids coming in that we were going to light the candles. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, <that was> <laughs> They used to light those candles, you know. They did. Really? The time. Yes. Mm. Then we had a little problem with some lady that got her hair singed, and so they decided to turn the candles out. So. You don't like the smell of singed hair. It doesn't smell no, good. No. Especially with all the different sprays they put on them today. I was going to say, that could be really dangerous. What kind of sprays do you put in your hair, Father Phillips? Uh, I kind of gave it up a few years ago. <laughs> I'm going to give that up for Lynn, I think. I think you should, yeah. yes. I'm going to say, you went to the official barber of Divine Mercy Parish. For your I hair. did. I, it I looks snazzy. 
I haven't told you that yet, but last week I went to the official barber, and I won't tell you who that is. And I didn't. They don't think we should be showing favoritism. Well, that they're not sponsoring the show, so we can't say the name. I was going to say, if they want the publicity, they should buy an ad. They should. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's good to have everybody here tonight. Good to be here. They're saying it's supposed to be one below zero later yeah. on, so it's not getting any warmer out there. Father Dennis is probably sad he's not here with us. Or Dennis. To oh, celebrate okay. the beautiful weather. He's up north where it's colder. <laughs> <laughs> now I remember back in the day when they used to have the old buy one quarter pounder, get the other one for the price of the temperature at noon the day before. Be a golden time to go. Right. Absolutely. All right, in our news and notes tonight, I just want to mention that... Uh, this is uh, officially episode 50 of the Pastor's Perspective wow, show. Whoa. This thing's getting old. So in two weeks, we will celebrate our one-year anniversary. Ooh, that is wonderful. And uh, it doesn't seem hard, hardly possible that uh, we kicked it off on the first Sunday of Lent in 2022. was oh, our first show. I think that's great. And you have all those shows in our, in our library, right? Mm-hmm. They're all online. You can listen to them all online. Wonderful. And, uh, wonderful. So that's a that's quite a milestone for us. I think we've done remarkably well. How are we going to celebrate that? I don't know. I was thinking about doing a live show, but I don't think we have the I don't think we have the time to put that together. Yeah. I don't think I, we have the audience for that either. That, I think we got to stay humble, you know, with it. We don't well, want to go true. over the top. That's true. You know, it, it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've started something. That's terrible. And uh, as uh, as February begins, we are uh, what twenty days away from the start of Lent. Three weeks. We are, and um, our mass schedule for Ash Wednesday, in case anyone is interested, will be seven a.m. at St. Mary's and Patrick's, nine a.m. at Notre Dame. I have a story about that too from last year. Uh, so um, this is a Marty tangent. I apologize, but last year before mass. Um, the kindergartners were very worried about getting ashes for Ash Wednesday. And I'm like, why? And they go, well, they're going to be hot. They're going to burn us. And I'm like, I can tell you right now, if you're getting ashes and I'm the one putting them on your forehead with my thumb, they're not hot. So, um, but they were worried about that. Did, did they accept that explanation? They did. They did. Yes. Okay. They were worried about the candles being on, being lit too. That today. is true. So, and then 1210 at St. Paul's. Um, 6.30 at St. John's and 7 o'clock at St. Mary's in Dodgeville. So it'll be a busy day on Ash Wednesday. There'll be a lot of ashes given out. That is true. What's the What's the running joke about Ash Wednesday that all the women who are looking for a good Catholic man, God puts a mark on them on Ash Wednesday? There you go. The problem is some of our Protestant brothers and sisters, though, are trying to also take that idea of putting ashes on people's foreheads. So they kind of, you know, are trying to steal the Catholicity of us. <laughs> and, and I will say this, too, that um, putting the ashes on the forehead is a very much American thing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It is. I was good. Oh, really? That. Yeah, because when I was in Rome for the Missionaries of Mercy in 2016, we were there for Ash Wednesday, and we got them on, the, on top of the head. Mm-hmm. And then one priest at this table who was at that Mass made a big mistake. What did you do? He did not. <laughs> woof. Um, he did not realize. He did not realize that for papal celebrations, it is intinction only. Okay. So I grabbed the chalice and took a drink. Oh my gosh! It was not pretty. What no. are you doing? I did not know. I'm oh, bleeding ignorance. Man. I know. Because yeah. the one year we had to do it on 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 top of the head too. 
Yeah, yeah, here. We did that, wasn't that last year? No, 2021. Because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. Yes, I remember. I made it into the Hawkeye that day. Oh, okay. Sprinkling ashes on top of Michelle Wilson's head. There you go. Time flies, mm -hmm. right? And, and I say the other thing under news and notes, I just want to take the opportunity to thank everybody for their generous response to the capital campaign upon this rock that will um, help our retired priest, or as I said this past weekend, maybe just our tired priest. Um, <laughs> thank you, buddy. You're welcome. Um, our present priest and our future priest. So thank you, everybody. We've wrapped up pretty much the public phase. And so now we will move on into more and bigger and better things. But you had a pretty good response then? I think so, yes. Were you successful in bringing up the participation rate? I will know more tomorrow when I get the report. Okay, so you don't you don't know yet. No. Well, if you're still, we still got time if you want to yeah. donate. So if you're still considering giving a gift, you still can do it. Amen. All right, good deal. And then Father Marty, I understand that you're going to be uh, going off into the lap of luxury for next week. <laughs> Woof. Um, no, you aren't going to be seeing many wolves out there. You're going to see more gators. Yeah, more gators. <laughs> I'm going to the holy ground, though. Holy where, ground. Where are you going? Holy ground. It got to be a golf ground. course. Golf course. Okay. <laughs> but I am. But I am also going to St. Augustine. We're going to St. Augustine, Florida. Oh, okay. That's Which did you know? St. Augustine, Florida, is the site of the first Thanksgiving meal in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. That's where the first mass was celebrated in the United States. What kind of wine do you think they had? Well, I'm hoping it was red, made of grapes. I do not know though. That's a pretty. That's a pretty town. Yeah. But know that um, we do have mass every day while we're down there, and you'll be in my in my mass every day. All right. Very good. Well, good luck on the golf course. Don't let the Gators take your take your hand. I will like not. Like Chubbs yeah. from Happy Gilmore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Luckily, you'll be far enough south that the humpback whales won't be washing up on the on the beaches. Well, that's true. Yeah, the humpback whales up on the New Jersey shores, or there's humpback whales dying and washing up on the shore. Anyway, that's a Tony tangent. Sorry, that's sad. It is. It's not good for us. You can't, you can't push them back and back in either. They're trying to figure out what's causing it, though. All right. Well, let's get uh, let's get started with the show, Father Marty. You have an opening prayer. I for do. Us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O God, who teach us that you abide in hearts that are just and true, grant that we may be so fashioned by your grace as to become a dwelling pleasing to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Marty. Very well. <laughs> All right. Tonight, the posse will discuss Matthew's reading for the sixth Sunday of Ordinary Time. And that's chapter 5, verses 17 through 37. And in this reading, Jesus tells us he has come to fulfill the law, not abolish it. Then he proceeds to review some of the Ten Commandments in greater detail. And Father James, you're going to read the gospel tonight for us? I am. All right. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments 
will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, You shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar, go first, and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly, while on the way to court, otherwise your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, Do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, Do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black, but your yes mean yes, and your no mean no, and anything more is from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's a, <clears throat> that's a significant reading, isn't it? You betcha. Now, when we talked last week, um, the, the reading from last week was a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. And is this still from the Sermon on the Mount? It is. Um, and this is from the footnote um, in the Bible that I've got. It says that this is the first of five discourses that are a central part of the structure of Matthew's gospel. Um, and so um, he's, he's trying to identify Jesus as the new Moses. Moses received the law on the mountain. Okay. And so Jesus will give the law from the mountain as well. And so what we read the last couple or the last three weeks um, uh, is a section, you know, you got the Beatitudes um, and then a section on new righteousness with illustrations per the footnotes. Wonderful. I so, have a question. What what does Raka mean? Raka means idiot. Idiot. Mm-hmm. Don't be an idiot, Father Phillips. <laughs> I knew you were going to use that sentence. Just <laughs> giving you more ammunition. But I can remember reading that from my youth, and I never knew what it meant before. So 
Now I do. That's good. Idiot. So, you shouldn't call your brother or your friends idiots, I see. So if I hear you say, Father James, you're a rocket. I'll probably forget what it is, and you'll have your chuckle. <laughs> I never call you that. I call you other things. Well, the one that I worry about on this reading is Mr. T, because what was his catchphrase? <laughs> pity the fool. I pity the fool. Yeah, you fool. fool. That's, that's right. right. He says, don't call anyone a fool. Yeah. That's a ticket straight to Gehenna. That's right. That's right. That's not good. The line in there about when Jesus says that until all things have taken place, not a letter of the law will be rewritten or, or disposed of. Is he referring to his death and resurrection there? Or what, what all things have taken place is that is he talking about? It would be, um, according to the footnote, it comes with the event of Jesus' death and resurrection. And those to whom this gospel is addressed are living in the new and final age, prophesied by Isaiah. But the kingdom is breaking in during Jesus' ministry. And so his mission remains within the framework of the law. So I think that's what we have to remember as well, too. Because that was one of the complaints against Jesus. Wasn't one of the charges that he was trying to rewrite the law? You know, and, and, and so early on, you know, even Jesus is like, no, I'm not trying. I'm trying to fulfill that's the right. law. Uh, right. I am the fulfillment that's of right. the law. That's right. And that's what Isaiah was saying, was mm -hmm. that he is who is to come. He's trying to help us, like, understand, kind of go into a deeper meaning of the law. Because I think so often for them, they just looked at it on the surface, like, oh my gosh, here's the 10, like, we need a lot more other laws, so we don't even come to close to this one. And Jesus is like, all right, you guys obviously don't get this. Let me kind of go, let's go deeper here. We can't just scratch the surface. we got to go deeper into this. So that's why he kind of talks more about, like, adultery and, like, you know, that idea of lust, even if you're just thinking of it. And so it's that idea of how do we begin to see or those roots, those initial roots of that sin is. Because so often you can say like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not very nice to my kids. It's like, all right, like that's kind of the outcome. That's, you know, necessarily the plant. But what's the root of it? Because if we don't yank it out by the root, guess what? That plant's just going to keep coming on back. We can keep trimming all we want. But until we work on removing that root and then filling that space back in, it's just going to keep coming back. So that's why for the rest of the reading, he just keeps adding more detail to the to the Ten Commandments that he's talking about. And he hits the idea of being sincere uh, without using the word. Uh, intentionality is the word that I would use. Um, in other words, your moral life is determined by <clears throat> what you want, what your intention is. And so our Lord is trying to, in very graphic ways, you know, he's trying to say, uh, what you're, what whether or not you're guilty of something wrong depends upon your your intention. What are you really trying to fulfill? Just the letter of the law, or are you trying to fulfill the heart of the law? And that's why he he talks in terms of your eye being a source of scandal. Pluck it out. He doesn't literally mean that, but he he is shocking them into saying that if your eye is a a source of sin, get rid of it. If your hand or your arm is a source of sin, get rid of it. Uh, don't be trying to hide behind the bush as it is. You know, you're trying to, you know, hide from the truth is what you're trying to do. Phillips, I'm thankful you have both your eyes and both your hands left. I have both my eyes and my hands. <laughs> the, only thing I'm, the only thing I'm worried about is kind of what Jesus said there towards the end, you know, when he says, do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Right. 
You don't have a lot of that, you know. I so, don't have okay. a lot. So, in a way, that's a good thing, you know. If you don't have it to begin with, you don't have to worry about it, you know. It's okay, Father Mike, you're in good company. I, I know, I am. Anyway, another piece in here. You know, like, the brotherhood of the bold. <laughs> another piece in here is like, when we see Jesus say in Matthew, like, amen, I say to you. Yeah. It's kind of saying like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, slow down. Like, let's right. pay attention. He's going to say something important here. That's right. In Matthew's gospel, it happens 31 times. And do we truly slow down and get intentional about listening? Or are we just like, oh, are you saying amen? I see you. Like, oh, that's great. Like, just, you know, keep zipping along, Father. I got, I got to hurry up and get here to hide me breakfast here. Speed this puppy along. That's right. Or do we take that time to go like, all right, like, what's Jesus calling our attention to in this gospel? Well, I like what you said earlier too, Father James, about how are we a follower of Jesus? Are we just on the surface? Or are we willing to go deeper? Right. Oh, yeah. You know? And it's and I like I like the analogy because I've used that in um, confession a lot. In and of itself, anger is not a sin, but it's what I do with that anger. Mm-hmm. So if someone you know cuts me off in traffic, am I going to go tailgate them or road rage them, or am I going to bless them? Mm-hmm. So fun story about that. So a principal was telling me, you know, we were on our way to state wrestling, and of course, you, know, you get up there by Des Moines, and your traffic, you know. Get a little more heavy because everybody's by Wells Fargo Arena. And so we're sitting there talking about your traffic and people getting angry. And he tells a story about a priest that he had. And, you know, the priest would really get angry usually with traffic. And then the priest decided one day, he said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell them they're number one. He goes, <laughs> he goes I'm going to give them a little blessing as I, you know, go by them. Thank God for them and move on with my life. Instead of, you know, telling them, hey, you're number one, pal. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like an opportunity there with kind of the crossroads. What do you do with that anger? That's all the Marty said. And, and I have another question. I know it's not a question we talked about beforehand, um, but there's also a shorter version of this gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, um, in seminary, were you given any advice to use the short form or the long form? Which one are you preaching on? Well, I haven't made up my mind yet, but, but plus I'm going to be gone, so I don't have to preach at all next weekend. So, <laughs> one of the, one yeah, of the perks weekend, of vacation. That weekend will be a deacon weekend. That is true. So, That's true. my thought is, is, why are we trying to shortchange people? Right. I'd say give it to them. Sure. I always use the longer form, but nobody's surprised at that at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's because you see yeah. them all bringing in their lunch pail. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with Father James. You know, I, I think there's so much richness in the gospel that we we shouldn't have to always use the shorter form for the sake of time. You know. Mm-hmm. Unless your homily is going to be longer. Yeah, well, I always use that standard for my homily, too. So. <laughs> you know who else preached at great lengths? Jesus did. He did. And it's in the Bible. It is in the it's Bible. It's in the Word of God, chapter and verse. But here's the Jesus question. Jesus spoke at great length. Here's the question said. for you. What is your name? What is my name? Yeah. Michael. What's the last name? Phillips. Well, then I didn't hear Jesus at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, wow. people, do you understand people why I'm so persecuted? <laughs> Blessed are those who are persecuted, That's for right. the kingdom was, of heaven is theirs. That was last week. It still hasn't stopped. <laughs> so in, in Jesus talking about the gift at the altar, when you're taking your gift to the altar, if you and it says, put it at the altar. If you have a problem with somebody, go resolve that problem. And then he talks about uh, if you're going to see a judge about somebody, uh, go and try to work it out with them beforehand, or or the judge may throw you in jail. Is 
when I was reading that, is that illustration a reference to hell? Or is the paid the last, uh, you know, you'll be there until you've paid the last penny reference. Is that referencing reparations for our sins in purgatory? I think it could be both. But the, the reference I like to use is that I think it's a much more positive reference that we should be worthy to present ourselves before God in offering our gifts. Make sure that you don't have any glaring offense, we would say, on your soul. Be worthy to offer your gift at the, at the, at the altar, because if you're, if you're not, then the Lord will not accept your gift. And this goes all the way back to the Old Testament, when they wouldn't give the first fruits of their produce or the first fruits of their flock. They'd give something less because they wanted to keep the best for themselves. And the Lord was angry at them because of that. And the same thing is true of us. We, we should prepare ourselves in such a way that when we present ourselves to the Lord and what we have to give him, that these are honorable gifts. Well, and then that also kind of brings to, to my mind being worthy to receive communion. Too. Absolutely. Not only to be there and present your gifts, but yeah. be worthy to receive. And, and it's the and, same thing, you know, uh, being worthy to go to communion. The church says that if you're in the state of serious sin, that you have to make a confession of that sin beforehand, before you come to the altar, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're, we're going to talk a lot about sin and the commandments and all the rest as we get into Lent. But the, the thing is that a serious sin is a serious violation of one of the commandments. we got to know it's serious. we got to... Uh, deliberate, deliberate on it enough to know what, that it's really wrong and we have to freely do it with full consent of the will. So, Okay. Now, and then, what would you say, let's have a play devil's advocate. Go right ahead. You're well suited for that. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you respond to those who claim, well, Father, though, but before we receive communion, we all say, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my, my roof, but only say the word, my soul shall be healed. Yeah. How do you respond to that? Because I know there's been some, in, you know, some in the Catholic Church who will argue and run for that and say, you know. Sure. Well, I think we have to personalize that. In other words, we have to show that that's really true in our life. We are not worthy. And so in order to be worthy, we have to make every effort possible to do that. And in the Catholic faith, the way to do that is through sacramental confession. Well, and, and, and it's my understanding that going to Mass can forgive your venial sins. Right. Mm-hmm. But going to Mass cannot forgive your mortal sins. No, correct. And I think we have to have an adequate understanding. A mortal sin is a pretty bad thing, you know. It's not something that you slip into, you know, or something that's just so common that everybody does it. If your life is basically oriented against God, then it's easy to commit a mortal sin. But if your life is basically oriented toward God, then I think a mortal sin is a rare event, you know, or something that is not as common as, as uh, any other situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that it isn't there. A person who's guilty of a serious sin, a mortal sin, a true mortal sin, knows that they shouldn't approach communion. They just know it inside. It's inconceivable that the two of them would go together. Mm-hmm. That's what conscience is all about. Your conscience tells you that. And speaking of mortal sin, uh, Jesus finishes up his gospel talking about uh, not taking a false oath Right. Better known today as lying. <laughs> perjury. Right. That's what yeah, that perjury. Um, and he says, make your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more than that is from the evil one. Right. I think the politicians today should take note of that. I think so, too. 
I have never seen lying on such a great scale today as ever before. I mean, uh, people have always lied to get out of difficult situations, but lying has become an art almost, and it's recognized <laughs> as a lie at the time the person does it, but they still do it. I really don't understand that. It shows a kind of a decrepancy of our culture when that happens. And the commandment that goes with that is, thou shalt not bear false witness. Absolutely. Right? Okay. Do you know which commandment number that is, Tony? Five? I didn't hear a heresy buzzer when I mentioned venial sin being forgiven at Mass, so I, I figured I was no, doing it. You were sure on that one. That's true. Number eight. 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 Is it that far down? Well, it goes from seriousness down. So what do you think number five is? What's the most serious one you can do? Other than the God ones, and then you love your father and mother. What's the next serious thing you can do? Let's see. We shouldn't be testing Tony here. Honor your father and mother? No. Well, that's number four. That's four. four. Yeah. Thou shalt not kill. There you go. Okay. I had to run through them. I only know them by Our Lenten series is going to be very interesting, I think, because we're going to deal with all this, I think. So that's great. Don't you think so, Father James? I didn't catch that. Sorry. I said our Lenten series oh, you is betcha. going to be very interesting. So... So, fun story about Ten Commandments. So, when I was in the seminary, talking about the seminary days, yes. we had a moral theology teacher. Okay. About halfway through the class, we were talking about the Ten Commandments. So, he had us all take out a sheet of paper. And write and, and he goes, he goes, write your name in the top corner. He goes, I'm going to give you a number. You give me the commandment. <laughs> all right. You think to yourself, we know this. I would probably flunk that one. <laughs> you thought to yourself, all right. You're, so you're, you're just kind of assuming he's going to go in order. No. He goes, eight... He gives you maybe 15, 20 seconds, maybe. Then he'll go, three, 15, 20 seconds. Then he'll go, nine. <laughs> All right, go ahead and hand your papers in. <laughs> well, unfortunately, in my class, we uh, struggled to pass the Ten Commandments quiz. <laughs> we had to take it many times. That's good. I would not do well with that. Another way of doing that is just to uh, name a sin and, and try to figure out what commandment the sin is against. You know? mm -hmm. It would be kind of interesting, mm -hmm. too. All right. Well, that will uh, that will conclude our discussion on the gospel. We got plenty of other stuff in there too, so that's good. <laughs> that's good. You're trying to say here, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. We, we're, we're getting some uh, character in tonight's show. Oh, there's a lot I, of characters. I was going to say, I, 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 say I see three characters around this table <laughs> at least, maybe four. Maybe four. <laughs> all right. For those who are just tuning in, uh, Father Marty, Father Mike, and Father James are gathered around the table in the posse tonight. Thanks for joining us for the show. We're happy you tuned in. And we're getting ready to move on to the second half of the show now, and our topic tonight is humility. And this was a topic specifically requested by Father Mike. And you know, I don't remember doing that. I don't, so that must be from, there's some action of the Holy Spirit here because uh, he wants us to talk about humility and he's using me as his mouthpiece. So we'll have, I hope we have some interesting things. Is that true humility in what you just expressed there? Or are you? <laughs> uh, it could be interpreted as a humble statement. You know? <laughs> well, I know when I was doing research for the show, I looked up and I found the litany of humility. Right. And there are eight desires that you want to avoid, and there are eight fears that you want to avoid. Mm -hmm. And that's 16 items. Right. That's a pretty formidable list. Yes, it is. 
I've just been sitting, I have it right in front of me, and I've just been sitting here looking at it because we're going to use this in a uh, kind of an unusual thing. Uh, they've asked me if I would uh, uh, read this as our closing prayer, and I'm going to do that when it comes time. Uh, but the more I look at this, the more I realize I've got a long way to go myself in acquiring humility. So I'm not quite sure any one of us could be saying, oh, I do that, I do that, I do that, and all so forth. It, it, I thought it was amazing when I was reading through it that anybody can become a saint. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a challenging list, without a doubt. Amen. So let's start at the beginning then. What does the Catechism say about humility? Well, it says, humility is the virtue by which a Christian acknowledges that God is the author of all good. Humility avoids inordinate ambition or pride and provides the foundation for turning to God in prayer. Voluntary humility can be described as poverty of spirits. Hmm, interesting. Poverty of spirit. I've always looked at humility, I don't know if I got it in the seminary or before then or after that, but I've always looked upon humility as truth, that uh, when a person is truly humble, uh, he has a true recognition of who he is, where he's from, where he's going. Uh, he has a true understanding of his relationship with his neighbor. Um, he is not caught in the devices of lying like we talked about before because he has a, a knowledge of the truth about himself and everybody else. So if somebody is, that's why you can really be humble and still acknowledge the gifts that you have or the good qualities that you have, as long as you don't put too much emphasis on them and separate them from the source, mm -hmm. which is God, of all the gifts that we have. So. See, you hit something there too, which is the false humility. Right. You know, Father James, you gave a great homily this last Sunday. Oh, you, you know, I don't, you know, kind of, you know, that, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of a false humility, you know. But mm -hmm. if you truly have humility before God, you're going to recognize that the gift came from God. Sure. And you and, say thank you. Yes. You don't try to make it. Most of the, in my own personal life, and I've, I've suffered from this a great deal, but when I was in high school, I was involved in a lot of speech work and everything. And when people would compliment me, I would say exactly what Father Marty said. Oh, well, it could have been better, and, and it wasn't as good as that, and all this kind of stuff. All I was doing without really letting myself know I was doing it was just asking for more praise. I just wanted to uh -huh. pile on more praise, you know. Okay. And one time I did that, and I had a nun in the high school that was helping me with my speeches, and I said, uh, well, it really wasn't that good. And instead of praising me, she said, yeah, you're right. You could have done a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> and that really put me in my face. I said, what do you mean I could have done better? That was a good talk, you know. So it showed where my intentions <laughs> really were. <laughs> man, oh, man. Well, let, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, you know, it's like, you know, I have a, uh, you know, I have a thank you file. Um, basically, where if somebody, you know, writes something, hey, Father, thank you, and da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. So on those bad days. You know, you can take out a little bit of a note and, you know, hey, you know, a little bit of a lift. But I also have a humility file. <laughs> so on those days where you think that, hey, you know, I'm doing all right here. You know, if I have to take something out of the, you know, humility file, like, and here's the one that I've kept because I just thought it was, it, it kept me grounded, was when I was named vocation director um, and I was leaving the parish to go work in the chancery. Someone wrote a note. They did not sign their name to it, but I kept it anyway, um, where it said, apparently the bishop 
must not have concern for vocations in this diocese. Wow. <laughs> he named you vocation director. Oh, my Wow. <laughs> Oh, that would hit, that would hit where it hurts. Why would you even read a letter that wasn't even signed by somebody? Well, I didn't know it was till I got to the end. I didn't yeah. look and, you know, I just read it and like, whoa, that's not signed. But I kept it my in my humility file, so. But you know, why? this will embarrass you, but uh, that's a sign of your own true humility that you were willing. If that had been me, I would have torn it up and yeah. cussed him out. But you kept well, it. Well, it was, it was anonymous, but, yeah, you but, know, but, but still. still. You yeah. kept it because the pain is still there, even now, probably when you recall it. If you just a little bit of a, oh yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and it's like you know, uh, you know, some someone, and I, I don't want to use myself because I want to be humble through this. Um, <laughs> woof. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, let's say you know someone, you know, ninety nine people could come up to Father James after the four thirty mass Saturday night, and said, "You moved me. That was a great homily, inspiring." You know, you're the next Fulton Sheen type thing. I'm just surprised I had 99 people come up to you. <laughs> but one person could come up to you and say, that was just lousy. What were you even thinking? Yeah. What are you going to remember? Probably more likely the one. Yeah. Sure. And I think that's, you know, that's also the false humility there too. Not that we don't take it yeah. to heart. Yeah. You know, where could I have done better? But we also have to realize that God has gifted us. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the key. It is, absolutely. Very good. Well, during our Virtues and Bison show, we mentioned that humility is the virtue that counters the vice of pride. St. Thomas Aquinas defines this in this way. Humility means seeing ourselves as God sees us, knowing every good we have comes from him as pure gift. It is pride more than anything that tempts us to see ourselves through the eyes of the world and through the lens of others' opinions. If you want to see yourself in the light of truth, you must humbly seek to see yourself only as God sees you. His understanding of your soul is all that matters. I thought that was a very good quote. I've never really thought about humility in that light before. So why is pride so hard to shake and humility so hard to embrace? I think probably because... You know, we all like to think of ourselves in the best possible light. And uh, we think that if uh, we face ourselves, the real truth about ourselves, we're not going to measure up very well, you know. There's a, there's a tradition in the church, uh, and I don't know how valid it is or what, but before the end of the world, apparently the Lord is going to grant to the whole world a special day when everybody is going to see themselves as God sees us. And uh, part of this was one of the revelations that came out in the early 60s when we were having so many apparitions all over the place. And I don't know, the church has never made any statement about the validity of this or anything. But apparently that day is going to be, everybody's going to see themselves the way God sees us. And for some, it's going to be a wonderful thing. You know, it's going to be a confirmation of their faith. For others, it's going to be a problem. And... Uh, so uh, it's that whole business, like I said earlier, about truth, you know. If we would recognize the truth about ourselves, uh, we, we shouldn't have much to be afraid, you know, if we're trying to do what's right. But if we're not trying to do what's right, we're trying to put ourselves first, thinking that we're going to benefit by that, then I think we've got, uh, we've got quite a ways to go. Seeking to see yourself as God sees you, is a, that's, that's a pretty powerful thing. Absolutely. There was a powerful... Um, 
and I know Facebook has never lied to me. One of the great, who I think is one of the great spiritual writers of our day is Ron Rollheiser. Um, he's in the Catholic Messenger. And this is, should be under news and notes too. If you haven't yet and you still want, please send in your Catholic Messenger subscription. $29, 50 issues, a great bargain. But anyway, um, it says, he said this three days ago. God condemns no one, but we can condemn ourselves. It is God's love, life, truth, and light against which we weigh ourselves and these determine who goes where already here on earth and in eternity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Beautiful. How are we supposed to learn humility? What pointers or what information or what help would you give parents who are raising children out there about imparting humility to their children? Well, I think, first of all, um, we have to start with who I think is the master of humility, and that's Jesus. One of the things, and I said this in my homily last or two years ago or last year um, for Palm Sunday, where if I was Pope for the day, and for those of you listening, do not have a heart attack on that one. Um, but uh, Hopefully our listener count just didn't go down. <laughs> yeah. But I would add in a verse for Palm Sunday in the second reading because it cuts off. Your attitude must be that of Christ, who, even though he was in the form of God, deemed equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, humbling himself. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first, is that we, we model ourselves after that of Jesus, who, you know, on the night that he died, or, or the night that he was betrayed, basically got down and washed feet, which, you know, and I'm trying to find the quote, you know, if I knew that I had one day to live, um, you know, I might live it up, eat whatever I want to, um, go crazy. But today it hit me. Jesus knew. And he washed feet. And I think, and, and I think as parents teaching that to the children, I think that you have to model that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a father who, who washes dishes who, you know, takes time to read to their kids, to, you know, bath time, things like that. It's, it's just, it's, it's lead by example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, you've got to show them how to be humble. That's right. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I think it's like an opportunity to be honest with our shortcomings where we fall short, you know, because I feel like so often in today's world is with social media, like we're trying to put up this fake facade. Oh, I've got it all put together. Look at my life. I've put all this makeup on. Like, it's a no makeup selfie, but I've got a lot of makeup on anyhow, or I Photoshop. And it's, are we truly honest with ourselves? Like, are we truly saying, like, you know what? I need God's grace in this area. This is, I struggle with it. Yeah. How important is it to eliminate selfishness in your pursuit of humility? Oh, I think it's essential, you know. I think one of the best ways we can do it, in, in, in addition to what the other priests have said, is to be to acknowledge the fact that we are at fault at times and to say I'm sorry, to be able to say I'm sorry. It takes a great deal of humility, a great deal of self-knowledge to confront a situation when we are at fault and instead of covering over that fault and acknowledge that we are, that we are at fault and we're sorry that we are and we're going to try everything in our power to do better the next time. Nothing sets the stage for growth uh, as that. And uh, unfortunately, it's it's a hard lesson to learn for a lot of people. And I, and I want to piggyback on what both of you said there, because, you know, we went through this time, mm -hmm. you know, maybe 80s, 90s, even today, I think, where basically 
Mike, you're all right. James, you're all right. Mm-hmm. Tony, you're all right. Marty, I'm all right. We're all all right. Hey, hey. And and when we're and when we're that way, then we don't see first of all our need for God because right. I'm all right. And second of all, then we don't recognize our own sinfulness because right. I'm all right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that humility says is that we're going to bow down and say, you know what? I'm not all right. That's right. I need God's grace. I need God's mercy. I need forgiveness. That's right. And I think it's so easy as like a, a priest, like to fall into that challenge of like trying to pick people that are yes men, you know, for councils or for groups, because they'll often just go along with what you say. Like we need people that see coin, see the coin from a different angle, mm-hmm. from a different side. You know, it'll allow us to kind of realize like, all right, this is maybe an area where I don't exactly see you know, a shortcoming, a shortfall. And it's how do we honestly, you know, look, you know, because so often in today's world, like people will say in the pew is like, well, Father, what do you want us to do? What do you think, Father? And oftentimes it's, we got to work together mm-hmm. to build up the kingdom of God. You know, you think to yourself, like, God willing, whenever it happens, you know, when I get my first, you know, assignment as a pastor, you know, it's a learning curve. How do we best work together so, you know, kind of learn about the area, you know? Because when I first came down to Burlington, I had no idea about anything in Burlington. Mm-hmm. You, you can't walk in and just think you know everything. Right. Are you willing to, you know, suck it up and say, like, I don't know. Like, help me to understand. Help me to learn. Yeah. You've got to know what you don't know. Oh, yeah. And you got to be, and you got to be willing enough to say, I don't know. I right. need help. Right. St. Augustine said, quote, The way to Christ is first through humility... Second, through humility. Third, through humility. He also said, It was pride that changed angels into devils. It is humility that makes men as angels. I like that. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, I know we talked about how the devil came about. And it was the sin of pride that caused the devil to uh, be thrown out of heaven, correct? Yeah. Yeah. He wanted to do it his way. He thought he was smarter than God. Wasn't it about God sending Jesus down uh, to rescue humanity that he was arguing about? Or is that, am I, am I not? I don't remember that part. Okay. Phyllis, okay. were, were you around at that point? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. There is, there is a tradition in the church that the reason that the devil rebelled, or that the was because he had foreknowledge of the fact that God was going to send his own son into the world as a man. And humanity is lower than the angelic nature, and the devil rebelled about that, you know, and uh, got all his uh, friends to rebel with him. That's just a tradition that some theologian or spiritual writer has put forward. But it would be enough to put yourself against God, you know. We do the same thing in our own life. When something happens that we don't understand, we say, why does God allow this? We, we question God all the time. Maybe not as dramatically as that way, but we, we question God all the time, and that's a lack, of, a lack of humility. Everyone has the desire to be esteemed, loved, extolled, honored, and praised for what they do. How do we avoid crossing the line of pride while seeking recognition for our accomplishments? Or... Is it just a bad thing to seek recognition for your accomplishments? I think you kind of go back to like, don't let your right hand know what the left hand's doing. Kind of idea that Jesus tells us about. 
you know, it's kind of one of those things of, you know, do you go into your inner room to pray to God or are you out there in the synagogues wailing, you know, look at me, look at me. And it's almost, uh, it's kind of that weird feeling on Ash Wednesday because I feel like so often so many people will come to Mass just to be able to say, look at me, like I got my ashes on my forehead. <laughs> and it's one of those ones of like, there's a part of me that thinks like this whole sprinkling on the head is the way to go. Because it's interesting to just to see just the mass attendance on Ash Wednesday compared to like that next Sunday. And it's kind of that false humility, like look at me and where that pride comes in. Well then, how should we respond when someone gives us a compliment? Thank you. <laughs> I think we should say thank you. We should have a sense of gratitude. We appreciate the fact that somebody else recognizes the good that has called them to compliment us. I think if you really know yourself and you're comfortable in your own skin, you don't need to be grasping for for praise from other people. Uh, you appreciate it. You you let them know you appreciate it at the time they give it to you, especially if it's sincere. But you don't you you don't live your life on that because you don't need to. If you really are secure in yourself, you don't need that extra kind of puffing up. If you see yourself as God sees you, that's right. Then you don't need that. And I think the other thing too is to recognize that all good gifts come from God. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not about me, 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 me. It's about God, 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 God. And I, I usually try to respond when somebody gives me a compliment. I usually re try to respond with praise be to God somehow. Right. Thank God. Um, but it's it's not me. It's it's God that's doing it. So there's a story out there that. Um, it's, a, it's an old priest story. You might have heard Father Phillips. Um, but um, there was a lady in the parish that always had a compliment for the priest after Mass. Didn't matter. He always had a compliment. And there was one Mass where everything or anything that could go wrong went wrong. <laughs> no lector, no servers. You know, the homily was, you know, just awful. He had a sore throat, really couldn't sing and everything. And so he's greeting people after Mass and here she comes. And he's like, I know she compliments me today. I'll know that she's insincere. And the lady walked up to the priest, smiled at him and said, Father, nice vestments today. <laughs> That's good. She, she found something positive. Very good. Would you say that humility is one of the primary ingredients in becoming a saint? Oh, very much so. Would you agree that humility is the same as seeking the good of others? I want to say like the humility is like, are we willing to set aside our will for the Father? Are we that piece of grain that's willing to die to ourselves to produce that bountiful harvest? Are we only caring about ourselves and what's in it for me? I found this um, and I've, I've kept it just to kind of remind me, you think you're humble? Wait until God instructs you to serve someone who has hurt you. Bless someone who has betrayed you. And minister to the very people who have salted your name. Absolutely. Are you humble enough? Yeah. I have a personal story to say, if we have a minute. Years ago, when I was a young priest, I was the, uh, I was down, I was, you know, we had about 10 priests together teaching in high school at the time in Davenport. And I was the youngest of all of them. 
And so I, you know, when we choose rooms and all the rest of that, I would always be the last one to choose because we went by seniority. And there was another priest in the house uh, who he and I did not get along very well. He was very dominant and he was very kind of aggressive and and he always kind of took the first place in, in a lot of things, at least I thought so at that time. And one time we were very, we were in a school board meeting and I voted the way that he thought was wrong. And he really came after me and was very uh, aggressive and I thought insulting and all the rest of that. I was very angry at him, very, very angry. But since I was the baby priest, I couldn't express myself the way I wanted to. And nobody else came to my aid. We had eight or nine other priests, and they all kind of went their own way, and I was all by myself in defense. And I was just angry. Just I, I, I've never experienced such internal anger, but I never let it out. The next morning, I was saying Mass, and I was all by myself because in those days we had ten priests, and everybody said their own Mass at their own time and all that. And I got to the, and I was still very angry about what had happened the day before and very personally angry at this man. And his first name was Bob. I won't go into it any more than that. Uh, but I got to the consecration and I bent down to say the words of consecration and suddenly everything just kind of stopped. I was like frozen. And I honestly did hear words spoken in my own mind. It wasn't a vision or anything like this, but the words said, Mike, I love Bob too. That's what he said. Mm. And I was dissolved in tears. And luckily I was all by myself because I would have been very embarrassed. But anyway, it took me a couple of minutes to get kind of control. I love Bob too. And my whole attitude toward him changed at that minute, you know. And it was just like God telling me not to be so angry and not to be so self-centered and all the rest of that. And to this day, whenever I see that priest, he's old now and he's retired and the whole bit. And he knows nothing about it. He'll know something about it now if he hears his story. <laughs> and he might recognize himself. He may not. But uh, I feel very close to this priest now, just simply because of those words that mm -hmm. came from God. Now, that is kind of putting me in my place, but it was a good lesson in humility. Mm -hmm. And it shows how humility can cover over a lot of wounds and a lot of hurts if we allow it to. And that brings me to this question. Can we practice or perfect humility without the grace of God? No. I don't think so. Nope. No. And, and in order to get that grace, we have to go to confession, we have to go to Mass and receive communion. And uh... I think we have to live in the presence of God. And that's doing those things will help us do all that. You know, We have to be conscious of God's will in our regard. All right. Well, very good. Father Mike, do you want to take us out with the litany of humility? I here? will, I will. First of all, I want to give a little introduction here. Anyone who sincerely prays the following prayer that I'm going to use will be struck by its power and challenged by its content. Humility is no easy task. It is not something that you can simply decide to do one day and accomplish the next. True humility requires great surrender and detachment in life. In addition, it requires much grace, just like we said. So this is the litany of humility. O oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver, deliver me, me oh, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, 
Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Now that is quite a litany of humility. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, once again, we have reached the end of the show. I'd like to uh, cap off our show with this. Prayer for the embrace of humility. Lord, I know that humility is good and is therefore good for me. I know that I must choose this virtue, and so I do choose it. Please help my mind, heart, will, emotions, and my entire being to be open to the beauty of this glorious gift. Help me to become convinced with every fiber of my being that humility is the foundation for a life of holiness and happiness. Soften my heart, purify my desires, and bring light to my mind, dear Lord. Give me the grace I need to choose to embrace the glorious gift of humility. Jesus, I trust in you. Pastor's Perspective for next week, the sixth Sunday of Ordinary Time, will continue when we, where we left off this week with chapters 5, verses 38 through 48 in Matthew's Gospel. And as we approach the Lenten season, we will be talking about suffering. Phelps, I think we'll be able to handle that one. Well, I'm sure you will. That's for sure. <laughs> and Father Marty noted that he'll be suffering on the golf course down in St. Augustine. Poor Father so. Marty. So until next week, remember God loves you and has a plan for your life. We invite you to attend Mass with us. Consider this a personal invitation to come home to the Catholic Church. If you are attending Mass, invite someone to join you. I'd like to thank the priest tonight, Father Marty. Thank you. You're very welcome. Father Mike, thank, thank you. you. Father James, thank you. Thanks for having us, Tony. I'd also like to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. We are humbled that you take the time to, uh, to change the radio station and sit and listen to it. Please join us again next week for another episode of Pastor's Perspective. Until then, share Christ with everyone you meet. We'll talk to you again next week. Good night and God bless. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 